Hello, friends. There's lots of interesting things coming up in the Stoic Coffee community, so make sure that you sign up for my newsletter on my website at stoic.coffee. You can also follow me on Twitter at stoiccoffee and on Instagram at stoic.coffee, and you can find my LinkedIn page by searching for Stoic Coffee Break on LinkedIn. Now, I also wanted to let you know that I'm starting a mastermind for tech entrepreneurs as the world of tech is accelerating, and I've had people reaching out to me for a group grounded in Stoic principles. I'll be your facilitator as we tackle some of the big questions in tech using the tools of Stoicism. I have a few spots left for senior tech entrepreneurs and decision makers to join me for a one-hour bi-weekly session. I'll be interviewing candidates to form a tight group for the first cohort of five people, plus myself. Now, if you're interested in joining this, please reach out to me at masterminds at stoic.coffee. Now, again, that's masterminds at stoic.coffee. Thanks again, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I appreciate your support. Hello, friends. My name is Eric Cloward, and welcome to the Stoic Coffee Break. The Stoic Coffee Break is a weekly podcast where I take an aspect of Stoicism and do my best to break it down to its most important points. Oftentimes, that's me just discussing a topic of Stoicism that's important to me and sharing my experiences. Other times, that's me interviewing other people or being interviewed. And this week's episode is an interview I did for the podcast Knowledge Brew Supreme. The host of that is John Chansey. He has a doctorate in education. He's down in Oklahoma City, and we had a really great conversation. We ended up talking probably about an hour and a half, two hours, and just a really good time. John is a very smart, very interesting, and very warm person, and this was a really fun interview to do. So I am going to rebroadcast that here this week, and next week I will have another new episode ready for you. But until that time, enjoy my discussion with Dr. John Chansey. My guest for today's show is the one and only Eric Cloward, who is the host of one of my absolute favorite podcasts. It's called the Stoic Coffee Break Podcast. Um, it's an awesome podcast to check it out if you haven't done so already. Eric drops a weekly episode. Usually it's centered around a topic related to Stoic philosophy. The episodes are usually somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes in length or about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. Uh, they drop on Sunday nights, and I usually find myself walking my dog Monday morning, uh, listening, you know, along our, our to start our day as we're walking uh, through our neighborhood. So love this show. Can't say enough good things about it. Absolutely had to have a fellow podcaster on uh, and so happy to have Eric here on the show today. So with all that said, welcome to Knowledge Brew Supreme. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Of course. Of course. So you know, I, I've only sort of briefly beginning to scratch the surfaces of stoicism, you know, philosophy. Like I've read a you know a few books, kind of introductory books. I remember a little bit of what I learned in intro philosophy. But, you know, when I got interested in, in, in stoicism, I, you know, looked for podcasts and yours is one of the first that came up um, and I was immediately hooked. So what I'm curious about initially is like, how did you come across or find Stoicism? Did somebody introduce you to this topic or did you find it on your own? And kind of relatedly, what was it that attracted to you, attracted you specifically to Stoicism? Okay. Um, yeah, so I have Tim Ferriss to blame for it, which I'm sure a lot of people do as well. And I've been listening to 
and reading Tim stuff for years. I think I picked up the four hour work week, uh, like plenty of people shortly after it came out. I was at Barnes and Noble and just happened to see it, picked it up. Um, and while I didn't necessarily implement everything that, that Tim did or anything like that, you know, I'm a software developer and it's what I've been doing for years. What I appreciated about Tim and what I appreciate about him going forward is that he's willing to really test things in a way and push himself to trying to find great ways to do things better. And um, I know a lot of people bag on him, but I think Tim is probably one, at least my impression of him is he's probably one of the most um, self-aware people. Like he knows that he makes plenty of mistakes and he's willing to do his best on those. And his, his willingness to continue to push himself and push those limits is, is always very impressive. And so I, I really just dig a lot of his podcasts. And there was one where he mentioned that one of his favorite books and the book that changed a book that changed his life was called uh, a guide to the good life, the art of the ancient art of stoic joy by William Irvine. And mm. I was like, and I'm kind of a wordsmith. I have a very large vocabulary. I love words. You know, etymology is something that's very, very interesting to me. Um, I speak fluent German. And so having another language under my belt, it makes me appreciate the English language and how sure. strange and complex and powerful it is along German is very much the same way. Um, and I was like, stoic joy, that sounds very, uh, very contradictory or paradoxical. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's see what this is about. And I honestly had no idea that stoicism was a philosophy at the time. I just knew oh, wow. the term stoic and yeah. was just like, okay, you know, somebody's stoic and they're very, you know, unemotional or whatever. And I was right. like, you know, your typical definition of it. So I bought the book, read it and something's clicked for me. I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. But it didn't really sink in. And so uh, I think it was probably about I mean, three or four months after reading that, that I was like, okay, I need to get to the point where I can truly understand this and, and somehow integrate this because it, it's it's kind of one of those things where I got the feeling that this is really important, but I just didn't understand it. It's sure. like when you're, when you go to a class or a, some kind of lecture and somebody's talking about something that just feels so over your head and you know that it's important, but you just, your brain is just like not grokking it and you're, you're trying to pull those things in. So I bought the audiobook and would listen to it on my way to and from work. And it was then for, you know, those 20 minute drives that it just, I would have those uh, aha moments like, Oh, okay. Bam. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's what I missed before. And so listening to it that second time really, really helped me kind of get a grip on a lot of those things. And this was uh, in 2017. And so we come up on the new year. And like I said, I one of my new year's resolutions for 2018 was to start a podcast. And I was like, okay, I had tried starting a podcast before I wanted to write, do it called, it was called the uh, the soundtrack.fm was what it was about. Cause I love music. I love musical oh, soundtracks cool. and, and stuff like that. It's like Hans Zimmer, just you know, like a fanboy over him all day. Um, so things like that, where I was just like, this is something I want to do. Tried making an episode or two of that. I did not like how it turned out at all. Wow. Um, and plus then I, I looked into the legal restrictions on it and to get legal rights to actually use the music. I was like, I, it was such a gray area. It was like, I don't know if this is something I could do. So come to uh, New Year's on in 2018, and just before that, Amazon popped up and said, hey, I think you would really like this journal by Ryan Holiday. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll buy yeah. that. 
so I got that one and I started writing in it and I was like, okay, I need to make a podcast. What should I talk about? I'm like, well, these stoic ideas keep percolating through my mind all day. And this is like a week into the new year. So I'm like, well, I'll just do one on stoicism. And you know what? It's probably going to really suck, but I'm just going to put it out there anyway. And my, my, and what I did was I used my phone and I used anchor, which, which was okay at the time. And the reason why I did that, even though I have all this audio equipment because I'm a musician and I have tons of gear, just like, you know, every musician has now, I probably have, it wouldn't surprise me, $5,000 worth of gear. So, oh, wow. Um, but it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming for me to sit down and try and do that. Even though I had Logic Pro, I have Ableton, all of these things I could do all of these nice recordings on. It kept getting in my way because I was like, okay, how am I going to make it sound good? All of these things. So I was just like, fine, I'll just record it on my phone put it out there, even if it totally sucked. Okay. So I started doing that. And um, my ex-partner, like I said, who it, we're still great friends, uh, said, hey, I know you're doing this. I'm not going to let you quit until you do 100 episodes. Oh, wow. Like, How like, uh, okay. Um, and she's just like, so you, it's like you, you give up on things too easy when they get tough. So you have to do 100 episodes for me. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Ended up doing 137 episodes in a row, so every single day, and then recognized that it was taking up a lot of time, and it, it was fine. It was it was what I needed to build that body of work, sure. so that I had that momentum going. And then I turned it into a weekly one. After that, did another 30 episodes, and then just kind of felt burnt out, and so I took a break for about a year and a half, and then COVID hit, and I was doing a lot of journaling during COVID just because. That's what you did. Everything was kind yeah, of yeah. falling apart. And you were like, oh my gosh, what I need to keep my sanity. And just had a lot of ideas. And so I started back up after about a year and a half, did it for a year. And then at that point, my personal relationship and just other things just kind of were falling apart. And I felt like an absolute hypocrite trying to talk about these things, you know, saying, here's how to have a great life. And my life was just falling, you know, going completely to shit. So like, okay. Um, so I took six months off and I was just like, I just, and, you know, under the guise of, you know, I was going to be working on learning some new skills and in Unreal Engine because I'm a programmer and, and 3D design and other stuff. It was always something interesting to me. And I did, I did step up and do some of that and then found that I actually, I had absolutely no motivation to study for it, do anything with it. And it was just like, okay, I, I'm not sure what's going on. And so I, I just let myself kind of coast for about six months, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I was definitely in a bit of a depression and, you know, just my, like I said, my main relationship had fallen apart. Right. COVID was going on um, and it was just really struggling with a lot of things. And then um, had some experiences over the sum- that summer. So I guess uh, probably beginning of this last, so beginning of summer and, you know, springtime, uh, 2022, where I learned a few big lessons, you know, kind of had ran into some big walls and went, oh my gosh, here's this giant wall that's been, I've been, you know, pushing up against. And I took a step back and ran head on into it and went, oh crap, here's this wall I've been hitting all this time. Now I understand this. Um, and it was a really big lesson for me. And I was like, you know what, the way that I need to process this, I, I wrote a whole thing on it. It was probably about five or six pages. I think the whole, ep- and then I turned it into an episode um, and I think it ended up being almost like 18 minutes, which is definitely on the longer side for mine. Sure. Um, and it was all about understanding that you need to be your own source of love and self-esteem 
and you can't outsource that to anybody else. So true. And, and because it was such a powerful and important lesson, I was like, okay, if I'm learning this and this is, is definitely making some big changes in my life, I need to share this with other people again. And so I started it up back in, I think this was maybe June, started the podcast back up and been doing yeah. it since. And I feel like I've, in the last six months since I started back up again, I guess going in seven months now, I've had some of the best episodes that I've ever had. I mean, I, I get done with them and go, okay, that, that really worked for me. And trying to I had a thought there and it just fell out of my brain um but what i found is just that that i just had a lot more to say that i didn't that i wasn't sure about um and even though like i said my primary relationship had fallen apart and you know we're still good friends we still care about each other very deeply she's an amazing person um yeah you'll never find me speak poorly of her um just because she's great. And a lot of the problems were just me and dealing with the the trauma and everything that I had growing up and finally, finally confronting that and finding healthier ways to be. There was a lot of codependency in the relationship from my side, um, simply because, it, and this, this ties back, and I, I'll bring this up and we can talk about this more a little later, but what that, that lesson in understanding that you have to be your own source of love was that on the flip side of that, there was that codependency with it. And so while I was working on this, I was having a hard time letting go of this. So sure. I was like working on the love part, but I hadn't figured out how to let go of the codependency part. And the thing is, is that if you rely on somebody else for your source of love or being that source of love for you, and you don't have it within yourself, it doesn't matter how much somebody else loves you. It will never be enough. It will never right. fill you. Yeah. And so they can pour all the love they can onto you and be the best and most amazing partner and do all of these amazing things for you, but it will never be enough love for you until you learn how to love yourself. And that was one of the biggest things that I learned this last year. And over the last probably two, three months, it was, I've had so many big aha moments and things where I felt like I had all these puzzle pieces and I had sections of the puzzle kind of put together um, but still plenty of them that weren't, but I had all these pieces. And finally, over the last few months, like a, a f the full picture of the puzzle emerged. And I went, okay, now I understand where all of these things are coming from, why I acted the way that I did, where all of these things are and how to move past them. And having that big picture has just been phenomenal. Um, so the last few months have just been massive growth, massive changes for me. And yeah, it's been wonderful. Um, the other thing that has happened is I, back in September, I sprained my ankle really, really badly. And Ooh. I've been getting in shape, getting back in shape. I've been walking a lot and cycling and everything and trying to get back into that because that was really, that was great for my mental health. So when that happened, and then September, October is when the rain starts hit here. And so between that relationship failing and then my, it, all of these things kind of cascaded back down and I, I definitely fell into a bit of a pit again. And then around christmas new year's kind of reemerged from that and so yeah so things are really on an upward trajectory right now and just feeling really good about life so anyway that's kind of i talk a lot i'm, I'm a bit long-winded which you wouldn't think so from my episodes because they're only like 10 15 minutes but no i love yeah. it this is great I, I do want to kind of touch on something you mentioned earlier. You talked about like initially, I just find this fascinating, kind of the origin stories behind podcasts, because 
you said at the time, you know, your partner at the time said, Hey, I'm not going to let you quit till you get to a hundred episodes. One of my first, like my first, within the first 10 guests I had on my show, you know, shout out to BJ Gador, one of my former guests on the show. We, we talked about podcasting afterwards because he's a fellow content maker, podcaster. And he said, Hey, if you're going to stay in the game of making podcasts, get to a hundred episodes. If you just don't even worry about who listens, get to 100 episodes. If you can do that, people will come. They'll find you. If you just put it out there, eventually will. It doesn't matter if it starts off bad at the beginning, kind of like you were saying, hey, just put it out there, whatever it sounds like, you know, um, you know, great. So I think that's really cool to kind of hear that kind of a similar origin story. I'm, I, you know, I just, I find that stuff sort of fascinating that that number 100, I think is, a you know, if you can get to that point, you've really got something going. Um, and, it, you know, and I'm, I'm just so happy that you're continuing to put out such great content that you did not stop at, you know, 100. It's um, and also just happy you're back making content as well. So um, I, I do want to, I want to now, you know, kind of talk about stoicism sort of at large. You, you may, you touched on this a little bit, so maybe I kind of know your answer, but I'd love to hear a little more in depth, but what do you think is the biggest misconception people have generally about stoicism like it's it's not just about being quiet and the reserved kind of like that strong silent gary cooper type that uh that tony soprano talked about it what do you think is that what else do you think or is there other misconceptions people have or how would you um address that yeah yeah i mean i would say that that's the core misconception is that stoics are you know it's all about emotional repression and it's not has absolutely nothing to do with repressing emotions. I mean, Stoics absolutely feel their emotions, but what they do, at least what I work on doing, is just understanding that where those emotions come from. Sure. You know, we like to think we always put, we always put the onus of our emotions, not always, but too often we put the onus for our emotions on somebody else. Yes. So um, even just this week, I had somebody that I was very close to, um, kind of freak out on me and uh, they're they're a bit emotionally immature I, I absolutely adore them and they're they're a wonderful person I'm, yeah obviously i'm not i can name names but you're sure uh, it's okay got really got really upset with me and just like you you made me so angry i'm starting to cry you know we were texting about some stuff and i was like you know like and i didn't want to step up and say well actually the emotions are coming from the thoughts in your mind and if you would think better thoughts then you wouldn't be mad you know, i didn't say that or anything i said well you know i'm sorry that you're having a really hard hard time with this and and i talk about this quite a bit is that the our language is structured in a way that we externalize what happens to us we put the blame for what happens in our lives on everything outside of ourselves we have a hard time understanding that we that our perspective how we view the world truly is the way that the world we we experience the world right, right. and i think that that's probably so the biggest misconception for me is that people think that stoics don't feel emotions and it's not that it's just that we feel emotions for sure but we're able to feel them we're able to process them we're able to manage them ourselves and not put the blame for how we feel on anybody else we can also look at things and say, you know, this person is yelling, screaming at me and we decide how we want to feel about that. You know, is it one of yeah. my favorite life coaches says, nobody can make you feel anything without your permission. Wow. And, you know, when I first heard that, I was like, what is she? Wait a second. And the more I thought about it from a stoic perspective, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely right. Meaning if, if I came up to you and started yelling, you know, 
something at you in Germany and you had no idea what I was saying, you wouldn't know whether to be upset or not. I could yeah, be saying yeah. the nicest things in the world, but saying, right. you know, saying them loudly and, you know, yelling in your face, but you, you wouldn't, because you didn't know about it, the only way that you would be able to be able to form some kind of response would be the thoughts in your brain of going, well, is he saying something mean or is he saying something nice? Is he saying something funny or is he is he being mean? Should I feel threatened? It's all about our perspective on it and our perception of what's going on. And so Stoics recognize that if they allow this person to come in and poke poke at them and push their buttons and disturb their tranquility that they've just given the, all this power away to somebody else they've said yes. here you have the power to rile me up whereas a stoke just looks at it and goes wow look at this person i mean there's all this vibrations coming out of their mouth i mean when you think about it that's all that's happening is that <laughs> we get upset over airwaves that are moving the you know vibrations coming through the air from somebody else's mouth or we get upset because they you know made markings on a page on a page and that's really what it is. So when you think about it at the very literal sense, which Stokes like to do, it's kind of that essentialism. Like you look at something for it's, it's the essential things. Are these scribbles on a page worth me getting that upset about? Are yeah. these vibrations in the air worth me getting angry about and losing my shit over it? And, and for plenty of people, the answer is yes. They, you know, because they, they don't think of it that way because of that lack of self-awareness. And so I think, so as a long-winded answer, yes, I think it is the the whole trope of Stoics are very, you know, they just very unemotional and everything like that. But it's the attribution of why they're that way and why they're able to manage their emotions better. And to me, what's 10 times more powerful is somebody who can step up, feel their emotions can have, you know, be right in the shit of something going on and, you know, be in a really rough and tumble situation and still keep their cool and still be able to be like, you know what, I know what's going on here. I mean, I, I think of it like George Clooney. To me, he's like one of the coolest, the epitome of cool people uh, yeah. because he he has this persona and, you know, and I'm sure he's like this in real life is, you know, because most actors, what you see on screen is very similar to who they are uh, for the most part is he has this just ability that people can throw all kinds of shit at him. The situations can just go completely foobar and he just kind of goes, all right, well, what are we going to do about this? There's <laughs> never a screaming and yelling and it's your fault and you need to do this. It's the, okay, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to manage this? And there's just this factor of, it doesn't matter how upset I get. It's not going to help anything. What can I do to actually do something? And I think that's, so I think the, the long and the short is, the attribution of why somebody is stoic or what the term stoic means is the misconception, not stoic, you know, sure. being stoic in and of itself. That's fascinating too. And and so I, I guess sort of reflecting on my own, you know, kind of personal understandings of stoicism, like I'll read it and I, I feel like I understand it on a theoretical, like intuitive level, but I also, you know, just for fun, I, 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 play club rugby, you know, just amateur level. And um, mm -hmm. I find myself, <clears throat> realizing some of the thing exact things you're saying there's sometimes where you know you're playing this game and emotions are very high sometimes my own teammates are screaming at me and my own initial reaction is almost to like you know why are you you know kind of that kind of that default reaction of getting upset because they're upset at me but then i you know it's like can't take that stuff personally and i think i think kind of seeing stoicism in that way has sort of allowed me to kind of take a step back in some of those intense emotional 
episode. So it's really cool to kind of hear you talk about that as well, because I think that's like 100% true. Um, and yeah, I think that's a really cool way to sort of, you know, conceptualize stoicism. Um, so you are very well read when it comes to stoicism. Like you, like every time you're up, you know, there's episodes, you're dropping quotes from like Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, all these like big names, you know, some are, you know, uh, maybe people have heard of some not, um, which is really cool because it introduces me to more uh, philosophers. But what I'm curious is, do you, do you go outside of stoicism and do you read other schools of philosophy? Maybe it's like to compare contrast. And if so, maybe which ones have you dabbled in or maybe, uh, or if you haven't, I guess not, but yeah, I would say probably the first one that really spoke to me um, years ago, and this was even while I was still Mormon. Um, and Mormons are very <laughs> territorial, if you will. Like, sure. if you are Mormon, you are not supposed to read anything that's anti-Mormon or anything that might be witchcraft or, you know, they have all these weird ideas about a lot of things like that. Um, but I found that, Sto that uh, Buddhism actually was very interesting to me. Um, and I think the reason why was because... Uh, I was initially kind of introduced to it through M. Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Traveled, Ooh. which was probably one of the best books on psychology that I, I think has ever been written. Um, ironically enough, he actually ended up becoming an alcoholic. His success from being this great psychologist, oh. you know, kind of drove him into yeah, all kinds of interesting oh, yeah. and, and unhealthy behaviors. But one of the things that I really appreciate about the book, and it was, it took me years to recognize some of these things was that he talks about in there that um in buddhist philosophy one of the first the first tenet of buddhist philosophy is that life is suffering that yep. you're going to suffer life is life sucks but <laughs> the second tenet is if you recognize that life sucks and you accept that life sucks it doesn't suck as much because you just recognize man this is what's going to be in life yeah and the next big thing is that suffering comes from attachment and what they mean by attachment is is that you is the stoics would call it externals you put your mm -hmm. value on things that are outside of yourself you look for being fulfilled by things outside of yourself you put your happiness on things outside of yourself you put your happiness in your house or your car or your your lover or your spouse or your children that yes, while all of these things should bring you joy, they should be things that that feed you joy, not the things you are dependent upon about that joy. And that comes right. back to that whole idea of like, if you aren't the source of love for yourself and acceptance, then it doesn't matter how much is feeding into you, you're going to be empty. And so, you know, Buddhism is very much the same way. When it talks about attachment, it means that you are placing your happiness on things that are outside of you. And that's exactly what Stoics do. So to me, Stoicism and Buddhism are basically the same thing, just a slightly different language. It's kind of like if you yeah. understand German or you, and you go and find Dutch, you're like, oh, wow, this is OK. I can go into, you know, it's it's they're so similar. They just use different words for some of the same, but very much the same concepts. The core teachings, I would say, are probably like 90 percent aligned. Uh, Buddhism is a little bit more woo-woo in a lot of ways, whereas Stoicism tries to be a bit more rational about things and try and use Perfect. logic for those things. But the end result is is pretty much the same. I mean, you find a good Zen master and he's just going to tell you, you know, you know, you're like, how do I make the world better? It's like, well, the world is perfect how it is. <laughs> okay, well, if it's perfect how it is, why would I want to grow and be better? <laughs> That's up to you, you know? That's, yeah, yeah. And so... It, it, there, it's that same thing of, you know, like Stoics are like, well, just be happy with, the, with what you have in life. Well, if I'm totally happy with what I have in life, 
does that mean that I shouldn't try and be better? It's like, no, because that's part of what life is, is becoming greater than what you are. Yeah. But, but the problem is, is that, and this is one of the problems that we have in our thinking. And I think a lot of it, you know, if, you know, people are, people who listen to my podcast are pretty aware that I'm not a big fan of most religions. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, I think that with any school of thought, whether it's religious, philosophical, scientific, whatever it is, you need to be very self-aware. You need to be very conscientious and pull the things that work and be very skeptical of the things that don't. Never yes. accept something just because somebody said it, except, you know, hook, line and sinker, which is how I was brought up. And I recognize that while there were some things about the Mormon church that I really appreciated, there were plenty of things that just didn't work for me. And it actually caused me a lot of stress and pain in my life, but I didn't know I didn't understand that because it was told this is the truth and the only truth and you must accept this truth or you're going to hell. And so I'm like, okay, I'm accepting this truth, but I feel horrible about it. And I, I'm, I'm totally unhappy. So I think that, that being able to pick and choose and recognize what works for you and what doesn't is, is probably one of the most important things about that. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I love hearing you talk about meditation too, whether it's here on this pod right now or on your episodes, because I, you know, that's sort of, I, I, I discovered, you know, Buddhism. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Buddhist. I haven't been to a temple in quite some time, but I used to, you know, study meditation at a temple and, and uh, I did my doctorate uh, using meditation as an intervention in school. So I'm very pro meditation and, and hearing you kind of connect the dots between stoicism and meditation, I think is like, only open my eyes and kind of enhance my own meditation practice even more. It's kind of more focused on that sort of self-awareness you're talking about. So I, I think that's just absolutely cool to hear. Um, I want to now kind of switch gears just a little bit. I know you talked about this a moment ago when you were talking about sort of your, your podcast origin stories, creating the Stoic Coffee Break. So as you mentioned earlier, you you know you took you 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 recently took a break uh, from the, the the stoic you know coffee break uh, personal issues you talked about just a moment ago and also on your podcast. But I'm curious now that you're back making content, making episodes weekly again. Thank God you are. Uh, what has been the response like from your audience? You know now that you're back, like has your audience. How, how has your audience responded? Are that are your is your you know are you getting are you getting good feedback or your is it are you building up the same listenership or or how's that going for you? Um, actually, pretty well. Um, so at its peak, probably uh, a year ago, I was probably doing double what the listens are now, but it I mean it dropped down to maybe like you know ten percent for a while or eight oh, percent, wow. but I mean there was still I mean there's still steady. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> no worries. You'll probably want to cut that. Um, yeah, it's all good. Easy to cut around. I'm trying to think about the best way to bring that back up. Um, yeah. So as far as, you know, my listenership, uh, it did drop for a while, obviously, when I was offline. Um, but it seems to be coming back fairly well. And I would say probably in the next month or two, I'll probably hit back to where I was prior to when stopping. You know, uh, the nice thing about my content, and I've gotten this quite a bit, is that basically it's evergreen content. It's something that I've put out there that you it it's it's topical as far as it's on the topic, but it's not, you know, 
time related. You don't have, you can listen to it at any time and it's fine. You know, I do bring up some events here and there that have happened. Like I, there was one episode where I think it was, I can't even remember when it was, but like I talked about Sarah Silverman and people were like, because she did this really cool thing where this guy was trolling her and was just being a complete ass on Twitter. And rather than snapping back at him and being, you know, just rude or anything like that, uh, she went and did a little bit of research on him and found out that this guy was an ex-vet and he was in a lot of pain. He had had some injuries serving in, I think, Iraq, Iraq Mm -hmm. or Afghanistan, and was just in a lot of pain every single day. And so she put out to her Twitter followers and said, hey, you know, this guy's in a lot of pain. Is there anybody in his area that can help him out? Oh, wow. And uh, uh, one of her listeners was a chiropractor. And it's like, totally right there with you. Let's see if we can get this guy in and take care of him because it seems like the VA is not doing very well for him. And, you know, she sent him a note saying, hey, I see you're in a lot of pain. I'm really sorry to hear about that. And I want, you know, connected all these things for him. And the guy was just so ridiculously grateful and was like, I'm sorry for the evil things that I said to you. They were, I, I, I totally misjudged you. And you, you know, just like in t- almost in tears, you know, yeah. basically saying, thank you so much for your help. And so from, you know, and while that's, yes, that was a moment in time, but it's not something that, you know, you have to know about a specific instance, you know, or anything like that. It's, it's not anything that's dealing with, Hey, this happened last week and you need to go check that out. Like a lot of, you know, political podcasts and things like that. Right. Politics that was changing. Um, so it's definitely getting back up and I like, a lot of things are actually moving faster than they were before. Um, I put my, I like I created an Instagram account about a year ago and I've done absolutely nothing to promote it. I just simply post links to my episodes. That's it. And occasionally I'll, you know, I throw a, a thought or something on there and I want to do more videos and everything like that, which is part of this whole drive this year to get more organized and disciplined. But, you know, like with doing absolutely no promotion on it, you know, I think I'm at, you know, I'm just over a thousand p- people following me on there and I've, you know, I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, and I'm sure there's plenty of tricks I could do to increase that, but I really appreciate the organic growth that's been happening with the podcast and, um, you know, like the reads on my website, you know, before I get maybe, you know, two or 300 reads in a week. And now I'm getting, you know, 2,500 in a week, you know, so things are actually starting to pick up and it's starting to, the rate of increase is moving up and that's, that's really great to see. Um, and for me, a lot of that is it's encouraging because I'm looking at uh, reopening a community, which I did. I tried that a year ago, but again, my life was kind of falling apart. And I was like, okay, I don't have the time or energy to put into a community. So I'm, I'm working on putting a community together and working on creating some courses uh, about stoicism Ooh. and hopefully get those out in the next two or three months. And so, yeah. So, but for me, I feel like I'm finally at that point where the confidence is there the you know and even though i'm I, my ex-partner always talked about it, it's like look yes you may be failing at a lot of these things in your own personal life but you're a great teacher you're really mm-hmm. good at teaching these things you're good at that so yeah. you don't have to be the best example you don't have to be a perfect example but by recognizing and honoring the fact that you make these mistakes and you talk about those that's actually being a great example yeah and so you don't have to be perfect to do this. And I'm, you know, it's taken me, it's taken me a while to get to that point where I'm like, okay, I actually believe you, even though, yes, you are really smart. And I know you're really smart about these things, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, 
it takes time to yeah. get past. It takes time to get out of your own way so you can actually get get shit done. Sure, sure. I, I actually think it's so, yeah, I, I love hearing you talk about this because I thought, you know, that episode where you came back and you opened up kind of about, you know, maybe just some of the anxiety about, oh, I'm talking about stoicism, but not living the best life and all those things. I thought that was so, you know, just kind of being vulnerable that way is like, that made me appreciate your show even more. And I just thought that was really cool. Um, and also it's cool to hear you talk about like seeing kind of the, the traffic, whether it's your website or your podcast increase, because that's something I watch as well on my own show and watching it grow, not necessarily because I'm wanting to see the numbers go up for whatever, you know, monetary reasons or anything like that, but just simply knowing that there's connections happening. Cause I think that's sort of what podcasting is all about. Like, sure. I can sit around and talk into a mic and hear myself do it all day. But if, as long as I'm making connections with people listening or people like you coming on my show, like, I don't really care who listens as long as I just keep making connections. So um, I'm I'm happy. I'm so happy to hear uh, hear things are going well. And I hope my listeners right now can hear this. If you're not aware, another reason to listen to Eric's podcast, he has one of the most soothing voices when it comes to a podcast. So if that that alone should bring you to the table, uh, then you know the stoicism is great too. But Eric, it's just a great audio for me whenever I listen to uh, when I listen to his show. So so. I want to talk specifically about the title of your podcast. It's one of the things that really intrigued me when I was just, I just, I think I went onto Spotify and looked up stoicism or stoic, maybe even just as like, what's out there. I have no idea when I was looking for stuff on stoicism. Um, and I immediately caught my eye. Your show caught my eye because it not only mentioned stoicism, but it talked about coffee. And you said, Hey, this is a show that you can listen to while over a cup of coffee. So I love this show. You've got the, it's, it seems like it's inspired by coffee. It's centered around coffee to some extent, you know? Um, so I'm just curious, are you a coffee drinker? Do you have a favorite blend or roast of coffee? I'm currently drinking a cup of Gavalia dark roast. They're not a sponsor, but my gosh, if they wanted to be, I would plug their stuff all day. Yeah. Um, so the way that came about, uh, kind of two things I was, I originally titled the the podcast Stoic Meditations, but then I think there were like oh. three or four other Stoic Meditation podcasts out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, the most famous being, uh, uh, what's the, there's an Italian professor, uh, Magnio, Magnolio Pugilio, I think is his name. I'm totally <laughs> butchering his name, but he has one called Stoic Meditations and he's like a professor in Italy and um, of classic studies and really great guy. And so I was like, well, I don't want to be competing directly with him. And so I went on a, a domain hosting website and I was like, okay, Stoic and what kind of domains are out there? And I saw Stoic Coffee and I was, you know, and there was like Stoic.life, all these other ones. And I was just like, Stoic Coffee, that actually sounds really good. Plus, you know, given that I'm, you know, now no longer Mormon, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> giving a finger. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, it's my, it's my way of rebelling against that. Um, and yes, I do drink plenty of coffee. I, I'm not particular about, any particular brand um, that, which is kind of the funny thing I do. There's this one, it's, uh, it's a Hawaiian blend that I really, really like. It's uh, Kauai something. Uh, it's a blue bag and I, I'm totally blanking on the name, but they have one. It's, it's like a coconut caramel crunch, which I absolutely love. Um, and then I buy these other ones that are from uh, a company in Idaho, believe it or not, but they have these great flavors in there that I really enjoy. And so I'm, I'm not a, a coffee snob by any means for a medium roast. Um, but Chevalier is wonderful. And I it, I'm sorry. Are, oh. no, Chevalier is wonderful. I really, uh, we, 
I've been to Burning Man five years in a row or five years. I went five years in a row. And one of the things we would do is we found these Javelia almond milk coffee things and I'm lactose intolerant. And they were these, you know, the, the box, you know, coffee in a box kind of things. And they were so ridiculously yummy and you could drink them cold. And so we would take those and they would be our coffee down at Burning Man. So we didn't actually have to brew coffee. We could just do that. And then they, you know, the stores are under stopped carrying them and we're so frustrated, you know, big yellow things. I loved that stuff. So when you said Javelia, I'm like, oh yeah, their, their prefab coffee like that was just absolutely delicious. Um, but I found that, you know, it's, there's a lot of great imagery with that. It's, you know, coffee, you know, as we see in our culture, you know, it's, it's kind of like gets you started and all of this kind of stuff, but it's also oftentimes coffee shops are a great place, you know, just to go chill out in a place to kind of read a book and kind of reflect on things. So for me, um, it, it was very, it just kind of as a brand fit, if you will, from looking at it branding way, it just really fit because it just kind of was a nice, uh, all the images that kind of came up with, you know, coffee and coffee shops and stuff like that just kind of seemed to work of like sitting around and, and taking your time to think about things and enjoying things. So, yeah. Excellent. so that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love to hear that. I, I need to be more of, I need to be, um, I guess more, I guess more upfront when my, the title, the title of this podcast is knowledge brew supreme, of course, but I, sometimes people will ask me, are you referring to brewing beer? I'm like, no, it's brewing coffee. <laughs> I got beer every now and then it's fine, but no, give me a cup of coffee all day. I'll, I'll take that all day. So yeah. uh, love to hear that. So uh, now I want to kind of switch gears because not only you have your, most of your podcast episodes, are you, you know, speaking into the mic about a topic of, of stoicism? Maybe it's, you know, something you're thinking about or something you're wanting to share but you also have episodes where you're interviewing, you bring guests on. I've noticed you've been having more of those episodes, which I think is really cool. Um, do you have maybe like a bucket list guest for, you know, your show? Is there like a current philosopher of stoicism or somebody, or, or maybe not just one philosopher, but are there people maybe you just, you're, you're really wanting to to bring on and chat with about stoicism, maybe that you haven't done so yet? Um, Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, kind of going back to the, uh, the, the Ursprung, the uh, uh, the original for me would honestly be Tim Tim Ferriss, oh, sitting down yes. and talking with Tim and just chatting with him. Um, what I like about Tim is he's he's very smart, but he's also very humble. He tries to understand his limits. He's willing to push himself. He's willing to own his weirdness and his mistakes. Um, and I, and he just seems like he's a pretty decent guy. And he was the reason why I got into stoicism in the first place. Um, I did get to tell him that one time I went up to a, a oh, conference beautiful. in Seattle uh, for Creative Live, which is Chase Jarvis's thing. And he and Chase are super close friends. And part of this, it was like a podcast week. And I would, I'd been working, I'd just been working for another company and this popped up. And so I was just like, hey, well, this is my vacation. You know, so I got to go hang up out in Seattle for a week and attend all these podcast things they had from people from... Uh, you know, all kinds of people like Alex Bloomberg, I think, you know, gave a talk on storytelling. I mean, just all these really things. It was both uh, virtual and people showing up. And so they did a virtual one with Tim and, and Chase interviewed him for his podcast. And we got to ask questions. So I got to like get up there and totally fanboy over <laughs> Tim going, oh my gosh, Tim, I want to tell you this. So I was just like, hey, you were the reason why I started this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and this is what I've done. And you know, and I think at the time I maybe had like 20,000 or 30,000 downloads. And so at the time that I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is getting really big. And, you know, I look back at that now, I'm like, you know, 
20,000 downloads. That's like, I mean, I get more than that a week, you know? (laughs) So I get that in two days, I have more than 20,000 downloads. So it's just funny now that at the time, 20,000 downloads was huge for me. I think that I remember watching my stats. um, I think by episode like 40, I I had like 5,000 downloads and I was just like, Oh my God, 5,000 people downloaded my podcast. (laughs) 5,000. Whoa, that's crazy. Um, you know, now I think it's like over 6 million or something like that. Um, Goodness. Wow. Yeah. So, and it's, 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 you know, I would like to get to the point where I have, you know, it would be awesome if I had like a million a month or something like that, but that's going to take a while to get there. Um, but I think before I just put it out and just hoped that it would take off on its own. And now I'm actually more actively looking at ways to promote that. And, and part of that is bringing people on the show, but part of it is I just want to get a, different perspectives on things. And sure. For me, while yes, it's great you're hearing my perspective on this, and I appreciate, you know, I get plenty of compliments of people saying, hey, I really appreciate your perspective on these things. You know, I'm just one person. And for me, I need to expand the way that I think about things and having different people on there to not just, you know, confirm what I already know, but to help open insights for me. And that's, I think, one of my biggest drivers is that I'm not content on just knowing what I know and regurgitating what I know, but taking what I've learned and doing my best to stretch that out even further. Um, so I, I really appreciate being able to, to talk and, you know, with other people on that, about that. Um, so I think Tim would definitely be a big one. Another one for me would be Brooke Castillo. She's a a life coach. She teaches life coach school and her, I mean, her podcast is called the Life Coach School, and basically, she's she has a school where she coaches. You know, she has life coaches and so on. Um, but she drops all kinds of just massively important lessons, very similar to me. Um, and a lot of her ideas are basically just stoicism packaged up in a very modern format. And cool. so, I really appreciate a lot of what she does. And so, I, I I find that when I'm struggling with things in my life that I will, you know, go for a walk and pop on one of her episodes and it really definitely kind of resets the gears. But what I love is that she, she's incredibly transparent about who she is uh, and transparent about what she's trying to do with her life. You know, she tells you that, you know, Hey, we almost made $50 million last year with my school and I'm, I'm this year I'm going for a hundred and people are like, Oh, how can you be so brazen about that? She's like, look, because I'm doing my best to add as much value back into the world so that I'm worth $100 million for a number of reasons, because that stretches me to become more valuable to the world yeah. because I have to be, what I did to make 50 million was great, but what I have to do to make hundred million is put even more value out into the world. And part of that making that hundred million is helping other people put more value back out into the world. And so I really appreciate her point of view on things. Um, so she would be phenomenal to to chat with. Um, trying to think who else. I mean, I, they're just. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a pretty big list, but right now I've just been, you know, picking people that I know that I that I find that I really learn a lot. So, like the last one I put out was with my friend Trevor, um, and Trevor contacted me on LinkedIn about a year, year and a half ago, and talked about, you know, he used to have principles in his company, and he just lives four hours south of me. Oh, so nice. I've. I've gone out down, had lunch with him and stuff before. Um, plus he's in software, so we can talk shop on that. But he's just a really, really interesting guy. And it's 
it's it was really fun chatting with him because you know he's he's really good about applying stoicism in a lot of ways he has a lot of self-discipline and things but then he talks about you know he's like and then my 11 year old can just go bing and push that button <laughs> and, uh, and he's like and so I've, that's been my my achilles heel that i've had to work on and i'm like that's, that's so fascinating because like for me my kids were super easy and a lot of it was because growing up i was incredibly mindful about how i wanted if i ever had kids how i wanted to raise them because my growing up was so terrible mm. and i was like so I had a pretty strong idea of like, at least I'm not going to do these things. And so I worked really hard to try and be a good father. But my personal relationships, I didn't really have a clue on how to manage those things very well. But he and his wife have a very strong relationship and don't seem to have these issues that I run into in, in personal relationships. So it's fascinating to see how we're both very intelligent people, but coming at these problems, you know, that's my Achilles. And that's what I've had to really work on. Whereas him being the father and being patient and not letting the kid get under his skin is you know, one of his little Achilles heels things. And so for me, it's just fascinating to see people who are incredibly successful at some things, you know, just have this, this giant weakness. And that, that, and that's, and that's great because I want other people out there to notice that I'm not perfect. When I talk about these things, I make so many mistakes and mess up so many things in my life. The one thing that I am is I'm pretty tenacious is that I recognized at a young age that I wasn't very happy and that I could learn how to be happy because I had friends who were genuinely happy. They weren't putting on that fake, like, look, I'm so happy. I'm so, you know, whereas yeah. I felt like if I wanted to, if I were like, if I were trying to be like them, I would have to fake it. Whereas they were just genuinely happy. And I was like, okay, there's something I'm missing in this life and I got to figure this out. <laughs> and stoicism finally given me a lot of that. And because it teaches you how your brain works. It teaches you yes. that you, you are the you are in control of your thoughts and your perspectives. And because of that, you are in control of your happiness. But that you shouldn't go out and try to be happy. What you do is you try to go out and do good work, try to be a good person, try to, you know, be busy doing things to just make a good life. And then happiness is a byproduct. You mm -hmm. can't make yourself yeah. happy. You know, I, and there was an episode I had called the unpursuit of happiness. Like, stop trying to be happy, try yeah. to be useful, try to be valuable, try to do good things in the world and yes. happiness will just come. Yes. Um, so I don't know if you know the, the etymology of happiness comes from happenstance and happenstance means lucky circumstances. Yeah. Yes. It's just, that's where it comes from. And so we like to think, oh, you know, we, we should go out and be happy. And it's like, well, you can't be happy. You're happy because things just happen to come come aligned that way. You just, right. And so stop trying to be happy with your life. Just trying to have, live a good life and then happiness will come. And it, and there's plenty of times where it won't. I mean, life is 50-50. You're going to have shit. You're going to have greatness. And you can't have one without the other. And we keep wanting to have the one and ignore the other. And the problem is when you ignore the other, that's where the... That, and taking on the other, taking on the darkness and going, yeah, you know what? I'm sitting in this shit and I'm, and this really sucks right now, but I can sit with this and I can live with this and I can be good with this. And if I can be okay when my life is falling apart and is, you know, I feel like the world is chaotic, but I'm still okay. Okay. Then I can probably be happy just about anywhere. Yes. But if you, if you're so delicate about your happiness, that all these things have to align, then what you're really not you're not really talking about happiness. You're talking about comfort. You're talking yeah. about pleasure. You should be able to be okay and 
and be okay with who you are in any circumstance. And that's what stoicism is all about, is the idea that understanding that happiness is really just a perspective on things. And it, yeah, I'm so happy you brought, I, I can't, I just used that word too. Okay. That's a little weird, a little ironic, but I'm so fascinated yep. you brought that up because, you know, I, my, my PhD is in educational psychology, studied a lot of just typical psychology before that, read Buddhism, now reading Stoicism. And I think those kind of three perspectives have really helped me see that, yes, happiness is a good thing, but maybe as an individual or even collectively, we should value things like contentment more than just pure happiness. Because if you're able to be, like you said, comfortable or happy in any situation, if you can be content where you are, no matter what's going on, the happiness will come. Just let it, it'll, it'll do its own. It'll do itself. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, and I think that's, that's a, that's a hard lesson for people to figure out. I think it's one I'm still working through, but kind of hearing you talk about it, you know, in those ways is, is resonating with me right now, uh, at least personally. So I want to follow up on this with the last question, sort of a related question. You know, there are so many wonderful scholars, uh, philosophers, when it comes to Stoic philo you know, philosophy, you share wonderful quotes, I think, that really kind of help tie some of your larger points together in your episodes, like whether it's Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, uh, or modern, you know, Stoic philosophers. So I'm curious, um, if you could bring one, and only one, you got to pick one, if you could bring any Stoic philosopher from any time period, whether they're dead or alive, uh, who would you go with? Are you going to go with Marcus Aurelius or do you go, are you going with somebody else? Like, and why, what, why would you, why uh, for your pick? Um, wow. That's a tough one. I think, I guess I'm going to rank them, but. <laughs> that's um, fine. That's cool. But your number one would be your first pick, I would assume. Yeah. So kind of starting from the lower, I think Marcus Aurelius would be fascinating just because here was a man who was, was kind of uncorruptible. Yeah. You know, he was so powerful. I mean, he could have had anything he wanted. He could have been Caligula if he wanted to, and he wasn't. So I, I find him as just a fascinating example of how to, how to find that balance and live a life like that. Next up, probably number two spot would be Epictetus, just because, he, I mean, in a way, he's kind of grumpy, but I, I appreciate just his frankness and his clarity mm -hmm. of things. Um, and I would say he's probably my favorite, just straight up Stoic philosopher. But I think as I'm starting to understand a bit more, at least, you know, and this is very, uh, how would you say it? in the moment? Because, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we always have favorites and they always flux, you know, right. like, my favorite song this week is this, my favorite song next week is this other one. And that's okay. Exactly. Um, but more recently, I've just been really fascinated by Socrates or Socrates, if you're saying the Greek. And the reason why is not necessarily because of what Socrates taught or that he, had these these phenomenal ideas where stoicism for me was here's a lot of these principles that like Epictetus, Marx, Aurelius, and Seneca teach us, which have been exceptionally helpful for me. And they were the things that I was able to take and ground myself and kind of have some foundation built. So I think stoicism was that great foundation. But what I loved about Socrates and and part of this was inspired, believe it or not, I was playing Assassin's Creed, the the one that's Odyssey, which is set in ancient Greece. Yeah. And they have a character of Socrates in there, or Socrates, as they call him. And the, whoever does the acting and wrote the script and everything just does a phenomenal job of really doing a great job because Socrates really makes you question everything in such a powerful way. He doesn't say, this is what is. He says, oh, really? Are you sure that's what is? Let's think <laughs> about this. 
How can we question things in a way so that we can understand? And there's never any definitives. It's all about questioning your perspective. And so it's it's kind of the meta version or the metacognition version of a lot of the Stoic ideals. And obviously he was before the Stoics. The Stoics were highly inspired by him. But his ability to really step up and question himself, question his reality, question everything in such a way, it's such an incredibly powerful tool. It's not just like a, a doctrine or a dogma where he says, here, here's A, B, C, D, and E. And if you do A, B, C, D, and E, you're you're happy with life, you know, which is what religions to me are. The religions are very prescriptive. They're just, here's the thing you do. If you do these, you will be happy. And I found that growing up in a religion that was very dogmatic like that, I did all of these things and I wasn't happy. Right. I followed exactly the way they said. And I just was like, yeah, that's great that you think that, but I'm still doing all of these things and I'm still very unhappy because you're not, it's all performative. It's all of these surface layer things. Am I dressed the right way? Do am I, you know, did I do I have the right beard? I mean, you know, whatever it is that you have, yeah. you know, it's all about these performative things. It's never about what's really going on down deep because you have, I mean, I grew up in Salt Lake and it's very much about the look of things. So mm -hmm. by all looks, my family was, was a good Mormon family. Everything was fine. Everything was great. You know, we, we had three, you know, there were four kids in the family and two parents and they were married after 25 years, all these things. But if you had been on the inside, you would have seen me, you know, here's my dad who was, you know, latent bisexual. I mean, the reason my parents got divorced is because my dad was having sex with men on the side. Wow. And I finally told my mom, my mom was just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Right. And, you know, and, and I'm sure that I, I don't, I'm not very close with many members of the family on my dad's side anymore. He died in 96, but right. um, for a long time, he was so scared of that. He was so ashamed of that. And he did not want anybody to know about that because that would conflict with his public persona that he had to create. Um, and he was terrified. My mom was going to tell everybody. My mom was like, that's your, that's your garbage. I don't, it's not my secret to share, right. you know, and I share it simply because I recognize now that people need to understand that, that there are people who are caught in this culture that is so damaging. And I want them to know that you're not alone. You, you're pretty normal. I mean, if that's part of who you are, own up to who you are and just be that person. My dad had just been a happy person, but had been in a relationship with a man but have been happy, I would have been totally gone bored with that. I would have been like, oh my God, my dad's happy. He's a great dad. I love being around him because he's yeah. such a happy person. Yeah. And he wasn't, and in many ways, he was a great guy. There were so many great things about him. Um, sure. Sorry, I kind of got off topic right there. Oh, I love it. It's great. But I find that um, anything that is too prescriptive and just says, hey, this is how you have to live your life. I'm incredibly suspect of that, yep. which is why I appreciate Socrates, which is why I like a lot of the the kind of Zen masters and a lot of the the, the Zen philosophy. You know, it's it's not about telling you this is how to live, but it's, it's teaching you how to question things. Mm -hmm. Alan Watts teaches you to think. He's like, did you think about it this way? Or what questions could you ask about this? Yes. Um, and so it's very much about I mean, but even Socrates, you know, he still had his principles. Here are the principles you need to understand. And then once you understand those and have that foundation, that bedrock, then you can start to ask the hard questions. Then you can become, you can start improvising on these things. Um, a great book that kind of fills some of those things in for me in a very different way is called uh, The Way and the Power. Ooh. And it's a book about 
Japanese swordsmanship. And it's all about understanding Japanese swordsmanship from a kind of a meta way of looking at it. And I heard about it from uh, Tim Ferriss had a podcast. And I can't remember the the guy's name. He was a retired basketball player, um, brilliant player. And I just, you know, I, I don't care much about sports at all for the most part. Um, I, I did try and play rugby for a little bit at one point. What'd but, you, um, hold, on, hold on. What position do you got? I, I, if I'm talking any f- former rugby play, what'd you play? What'd you get to into? I only, you know, I only went to like four practices because it took me an hour and a half to get there all the time. So I, it was more of just, I went out and, and I tried playing and then it was like, sure. you know what, I've got a kid at home. It's just taking up too much time. So okay, fair uh, I didn't even remember all the positions, but it was, I had played soccer in, in high school and, and wrestled. And so I always thought that, well, well, soccer before high school, but wrestled in high school. And so I just thought that'd be fun. But anyway, um, so I'm just not a huge sports uh, person per se, but I really appreciate his perspective on things. He's a very, very smart guy. And I wish I could remember his name, but he recommended this book. You know, Tim's like, what are you reading now? He's like this book, The Way and the Power. And I was just like, that sounds fascinating. And it's to me, it's one of those books. It's a meta book. It's one of those things where it doesn't just change, teach you something. It doesn't teach you hacks, doesn't teach you these things. It changes how you think. Oh, and wow. for me, I really like things that change how you think. Yes. Um, another one along those lines is uh, Finite and Infinite Games by James Karst. It, it's only about 100 pages long, but it is one of these books that changes the way that you view the world. It changes how you think about how people interact with each other. Um, another one along those lines is uh, Goodell Escher Bach by, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, I'm blanking on his name, but another one. It's one of these books that it's about it's about metacognition. It's about thinking about thinking, like how we think. And it talks about the structure of language and music and other things like that. And so I find that Socrates is kind of that way as well. It's not about how well can you regurgitate these principles, but it's how well can you question your reality and the world around you. And that for me is is much more fascinating. And I'm starting to kind of branch off into those ideas. But I still come back to these these core things of stoicism because those are the bedrock. Those are the things that give me that foundation to be able to play off of. Kind of like you can't get up and, and perform on the stage if you haven't built the stage. Stoicism right, is the right. stage that it's the support. It's it's the foundation that allows you to get up and go. Okay, because I, I can understand these basic principles, I understand that my perspective, my reality is created by my perspective. Now I can start questioning my perspective. What if I thought about it this way? What if I thought about it in that way? You know, mm-hmm. this person thinks about this thing in that way. What if I decided that I wanted to think like them? I mean, my episode last week was very much about, um, it was the idea of what would happen rather than making incremental changes in your life of just becoming a little bit better person at what all these things are you do, which is incredibly important sure. because those are the daily things that get you there. That's the consistency and you need to have that. And while you need to get a little bit better at, at certain things, but what if there, what if you decided in some ways just to completely change who you were as a person, that you changed your identity? And how would you do something like that? Is by complete by adopting a completely different perspective on things. I mean, what if one day you woke up and you you decided you wanted to imagine what it would be like to be George Clooney? I mean, I used him earlier. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because George Clooney is he's he's a very interesting guy, and I. I if you ever watch him, he is just one of the most confident people you could ever meet. But oh, he's yeah. also very humble. He, he's also he 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 doesn't blow his own horn about things. He seems just super comfortable in his own skin. Like he just seems like one of the coolest people around. But he has a very interesting perspective on things. And so it was like, what would happen if you were to adopt somebody's mindset so completely that you could see the world through their eyes? 
Yes. And so that was kind of the, the crux of the episode is tr think about the kind of person you want to be in the future. You know, and if that's, you know, uh, if you have a role model of, of doing that and write a biography of what that person is like, how do they think about the world mm -hmm. when they get up in the morning? How do they brush their teeth? I mean, I know it's silly, but you yeah, know, yeah. would they use an electric toothbrush versus a regular one? You know, think about if, about how they would view the world. And if you can start to see the world from their perspective, you can change your whole world. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I think that that's where you can get that kind of massive change. And so I think that while you need these ideas and stoicism to help kind of keep the equanimity, that balance in your life and to help you to accept, accept that life is just going to throw everything at you. And you just kind of have to accept that because the, the, the other, the other alternative of not accepting reality is, is to deny reality. Yes. And then <laughs> it's going to make it very challenging to deal with what's happening. If you're not acknowledging this is what's happening. And so for me, I'm kind of reaching that point of, because I've talked about these things and worked through these things for so long, now that next step is, how do I start to shift who I am as a person in a very fundamental way? And, you know, like, for example, I, and this is where you can, you can focus on very specific things too. And this is where I talked about earlier in this, in this, and I've talked about it in a number of episodes that one of the biggest things that I learned over this last year is that I needed to be my own source of love. Mm. So who is somebody that I know that loves themselves in a way that I appreciate? Oh wow! How could I start treating myself that way? How could I be that kind of loving person towards myself? And so I thought about people that I knew that I considered very loving and compassionate people, um, or at least people that did a really good job of being able to map out their boundaries well enough to go, this is who I am and I respect and love who I am and I care for who I am in a way that I found um, just in a, a very sustainable and supportive, not in an egotistical sort of way. Like I'm the greatest thing that ever happened. I mean, people who are braggarts just annoy the crap out of me because it's just like, yeah, whatever. If they're bragging in a, in a very humble and just honest way, like, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I'm good at. I have no problem with that. I have, you know, if somebody is an, is an amazing pianist or like if, if Yo-Yo Ma talks about cello and he says, well, you know, I'm really good at be because I do these things. I'm not going to go, oh, he's so egotistical. I'm like, this guy's <laughs> a master. Yes. You know, but if you ask Yo-Yo Ma, hey, do you have room for improvement? He'll say, yes, I do. I yeah. absolutely do. I, I'm a great cello player, but I could be even better. And he knows that yes. because he's willing to recognize that he could be better that gives him that hunger. He can accept that he's amazing, but he can also accept that he can be better. So the same idea is that learning to love yourself and learning to be that way is probably one of the most important things that I learned this last year. And that's a radical shift. And so I had to shift who I was as a person as being, I am a loving person. I am somebody who is really good at loving myself and loving other people. And so how do I practice being good at loving other people? Well, I practice loving myself. Mm, and it's not there. about think, yeah. And it's not about thinking I'm the greatest person in the world. It's just about accepting me for exactly who I am. Yeah. You know, because I'm not going to be perfect and that's okay. But for a long time, I was just like, oh my God, I'm such a terrible person. And it was just like, I would make a mistake. I get angry about something and then I just beat myself up and it just, you know, this it would spiral down. And it was just like, this isn't doing me any good. This is just, this is just digging me back into that hole that I just climbed out of. I just dug myself back in. So, First thing was to stop digging that hole. 
<laughs> so when I make a mistake, I don't beat myself up over it. I own it and go, you know what? I really screwed up on that. And I don't like the way that I did that. How could I be better about this? And okay, Eric, you love yourself. And, and so working on that has been a big thing, but I had to shift my identity. I had to shift that I was a very loving and kind and caring person. Hmm. And so I, I act like a person who tries to be loving and very kind. And so, like I was saying earlier, that a friend of mine who got, you know, texted me earlier this week, you know, you made me so angry and I'm so mad because of what you did that I'm, I want to cry. I wasn't mad. I wasn't like, yeah, we shouldn't do that. It was just like, wow, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that, that you're really struggling with this. And I just want you to know that I still love you. I still care for you no matter what. And I'm sorry to see you in so much pain. Wow. And that was just, there wasn't much I could do because they're, they're at an emotionally immature level that I couldn't explain things and it's from a stoic perspective, which just wouldn't have made sense to them. And I, and I, I tried a little bit. I tried to say, well, this is how I see things. Yeah. And I was like, I don't understand a thing that you just said. That makes absolutely no sense. And it's dumb. And I was just like, okay. Oh, no. And it was like, okay. <laughs> and I tried and, 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 you know, uh, I let them in, you know, I, I wrote back and I just said, by the way, I want you to know, I think you're an amazing person. These are the things that I adore about you. And I love you. I also see that you're in a lot of pain. And I'm always here to listen to you, no matter what. Whenever you want to talk, I am 100% there for you because that to me is what a loving person would do. And so yeah. I was stepping up and going, hey, I am a loving person. That's my, part of my identity now. I'm a loving person. So I'm going to love you, even though these things you said felt kind of hurtful and, and I could have taken them that way. But I recognize that they come from a place of pain and not from a place of yeah, it's you're just in pain perfect. right now. And I'm, yeah, it's not, per well, I mean, it, for them, it was personal, but I was just yeah. like, you know, yeah. I'm sorry that, I'm sorry that you're in this much pain and I will do whatever I can whenever you're ready, but that's got to be something that you got to be ready for it. Right. Right. Oh, that's so cool to hear. That's a fantastic, just kind of tying all that together. So I just have a few more questions. They're not necessarily so much about stoicism, but these are some of the questions I like to ask all of my guests. So I want to run a few of these past you. The first one is pretty open-ended and I'm extremely curious how you answered this question. Um, and I bring all sorts of creative folks on my show. I mean, the whole point of this is just kind of tapping into that motivation behind people's creative outputs, whether it's podcasting, music, whatever. And you happen to occupy multiple spaces. You're a musician, podcaster, Stoic philosopher, you know, you write for your website, you make lots of content. So I'm curious, as a podcaster, when do you feel the most creative? Like, and when I ask this, what I mean is like, is there a particular moment, whether it's like when you're editing the episodes or whether you're coming up with topics or you're thinking about who do I want on the want to come on the show? Is there a moment where you just feel like, oh yeah, I'm feeling like everything's clicking, the creativity is flowing, I'm going to make a really good episode, or or where do you find yourself kind of at that, maybe maybe flow state, I don't know how you want to describe it, I'm in psychology, so I think about flow states, but when do you feel the most creative? Wow. Um, let's see, I mean, I think I'm getting better about just creating them. Um there was a great quote that I heard once uh, where a reporter asked Somerset Mom, who's a, uh, a writer, and I've never read anything about him, but I just love this quote by him, which is why I remembered it, um, where the, the reporter asked him, was like, do you believe that, you know, the, you know, do you believe in creativity? Do you believe in the creative spark that it happens? Or do you just, you know, 
or are you much more regimented and you just believe that you just have to sit down and, and you know, just do it and make yourself do it. And, and he was just like, well, I believe, you know, I believe, you know, I need to be inspired to do this. Luckily for me, I'm inspired every morning when I sit down and type, start typing at nine o'clock every single morning. And that was his way of saying, yes, the creative spark is there, but the only way you're going to get the creative spark is to sit down and do the work. Yes. And Stephen King's the same way. He, every day he gets up and he writes 10 pages, just 10 pages, no matter what, even if they absolutely suck, you just get up there and you write the 10 pages. And for me, some days are better than others. Like last week's episode, um, I had written half of another episode, didn't like it. Mm. And this was probably about 8.30 Sunday night. I was like, oh, this is not coming together. And so I, and I kept getting distracted doing other things. So I grabbed my iPad and went upstairs, sat in the kitchen and just wrote on my iPad because I only have one screen. And so it was really hard to do anything else. I use uh, Scrivener as my writing tool because I, the autocorrect on it is probably one of the better ones. And so it's super fast. And so I really, it, it helps keep my flow going a lot faster because I don't have to worry about it. You know, wait, no, this word is this. It does the autocorrect so much quicker on it. And so I can really kind of start flying on it. And plus it's just, I know the interface really well. I like how it looks. Um, so I started writing there and wrote for two hours, two and a half hours, I think. Um, and then next thing I know, I had like almost 1800 words right there. Whereas I didn't, I almost started from blank slate right there. I think I'd had, you know, just a page that I created, which was about it. And that was it. And then, but it was like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just too tired. I'm not gonna be able to do this. Um, I was supposed to go out the next night. So I'm like, well, I guess this will be a Tuesday night thing. And then uh, the person I was supposed to go out with on Monday night got a migraine. They're like, hey, we're going to have to just reschedule this. I'm like, okay, fine. Works for me. And so then I sat down and did a bunch of editing. It still took me another three or four hours to do it because, you know, I had almost, by the time I got done, I almost had 2,500 words. So I took some editing, threw out a whole bunch of stuff on it, and then recorded the podcast. And even then, it was still like 1030 that night when I got it done. So it was just one of those marathon episodes, which took a bit more. Um so it's kind of all over the place. Sometimes I will have half an episode written before I start. Sometimes it takes me two hours and I can just nail it down. Other times it'll take me six to eight hours to get it done. So it's just, I wish it were more consistent, but the only consistent is just being consistent and getting out there and doing it. Yes. Um, yes. The other thing is just that I found that I think my quality of episodes has gone up dramatically over this last year, simply because I've, I've been doing it for so long. And because I've got what 240 some odd episodes now, you've got a lot of reps, you've got a lot yeah. of you know experience there. So, so that's really helpful. I find that I'm able to speak on microphones so much better than I used to. There are very few ums, very few so's. Even when I, and I'm getting better when I do interviews now, there's a lot less of those as well. I'm better at just sitting down and writing things down. And I'm also, it's also starting to show up in other areas. So at the beginning of the year, I decided that, you know, part of my New Year's resolution, I was I was going through a whole bunch of different things I wanted to get better about this year. And while I'm a musician, I, I'm self-taught. I taught myself how to play piano and I play by ear very, very well. I uh, I had a, a few music lessons when I was about six or seven uh, on piano for like two months or something, and that was about it. Then but I knew enough where I could read some notes and, and, but I would just listen to songs and I sit down and play them. And I was just like, okay, I want to, that's, that's kind of how it worked. And then I took a music theory class and went, 
oh, so this is what I've been doing this whole time. And I was in <laughs> choir. I was in choir so I could read. I could read music okay, but I wasn't great at reading music. But but I understand chord structures and I can read a chord sheet. If I've heard the song, I can probably pick it out pretty well. If you give me, if I've heard the song and I have a chord sheet, I can pretty much come up with a nice arrangement for you. But I was like, I still suck at sight reading. So since the beginning of the year, I've been working on a song uh, from musical chess, which I loved musicals when I was in high school and college and stuff. Um, and I've just been sitting down and playing that for at least half an hour every single day and just learning the actual rote part and working on that. And I've been doing that since the beginning of the year and it's really coming along. And so what I'm working on now is trying to fit more formal practices into my life yes. and to put a bit more structure into those kind of things. And with my podcast, I, I'm starting to do that a little bit more too. I'm, I'm working on trying to create kind of a general structure of what each episode should be. I had that for a while and I was doing pretty well with it. And then it kind of, you know, fell by the wayside just because I got pretty comfortable with it. And now I'm kind of working on trying to reintroduce that a little bit and come up with some basic you know, just some basic formats of this is how it's going to be. Like, you know, the, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you've noticed there's some commonalities. The first thing is I ask a question or two at the beginning of it. And I say, you know, have you ever, or do you think about this? Well, today I want to talk about this idea and see if, you know, and explore it a little bit deeper. And then I usually have a quote or two to start off with and then start discussing the topic, you know, a little bit more in depth, try and give some examples of, Hey, this is where you might run into this in your real life. Now that we've discussed, this is the core thing. Here's some examples. What can you do about it? What are some things you can do? And then try and give some practical steps. So I think that's kind of my outline of, of how I structure every episode, because I want people to walk away with having thought about it, having understood what the real problem is, and then understanding ways they can actually do something about it. But what's fascinating for me is I love to take an idea and see if I can flip it on his head and say, well, what if the opposite is true? Oh, this wow. is what I thought. What if the opposite or or maybe not the exact opposite, but what if what if I looked at it from a different perspective? What if I thought about it, you know, from a side angle or what if I flipped it on his head and said, what if, you know, could the opposite be true? Because I think that far too often we we believe everything we think. <laughs> so we think because we had that thought, it must be true. Yes. And so so if we and so to to make sure that we don't do that, that we don't fall into our own, excuse me, um, our own, uh, I guess the best way to put it, one of my favorite quotes by Lorena McKenna when, do you know who she is? I'm not familiar. She's a Celtic musician and she, okay. Okay. she for years, like she, she made, she like made her own cassette tapes when she was first starting out and then she made her own cds and she had, ran her own publishing company for all of her records and stuff like that and then finally when she got big enough she went to warner brothers and said hey i sell a hundred thousand a year let's let's work out a deal and so one of her first songs actually got on and got radio play and she was suddenly all these people like oh my god she's amazing and she's like yeah i've been doing this for you know 12 years now and she already had four albums out before the song came out and I remember there was an interview with her and I can't remember the exact word of it. She's like, yeah. And the, they were like, isn't this so great? You're having all the success. And she's just kind of smiling. She's just like, well, there's one thing that I've learned in, in, in my career. And it's like, well, all these great things are being said about you and everything. It's like, yeah, 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 I know. But there's one thing I've learned in my career is, is don't believe any bullshit. Don't believe <laughs> the bullshit that everybody says about you because there's going to be good. There's going to be bad. There's going to be praise. There's going to be stuff coming about you. But she's like, just 
I'm still the same person that I was yesterday before my song became this big hit. So she's like, I'm still going to do the work. I'm still going to get out there and, and do that. And I think that, God, I kind of lost thought of, lost track of where I was going with that. But um, <laughs> I think that um, what I, like I say, what I try and do in my, in my podcast is, is to give people some ways to think about things differently and not just accept things at face value, but yeah. to see if the opposite might be true or to see if there's a better way of looking at it that can be more useful than what we consider conventional wisdom. And I think that that's really what I'm trying to do in my, in my episodes is question, you know, like, as they say in, in uh, Westworld, you know, have you ever questioned the uh, questioned your reality? Yeah. Now, are you doing that on a daily basis? Are you questioning, could it be like this? Could it be like that? Cause when you start doing that, you, you may find that even if you, your reality is X, looking at it from perspective Y might just be a better perspective to look at it because you're able to move through things a little bit easier. I dig that. I like that. I, I really think, yeah, that, that big emphasis on putting in the work, I kind of think it's sort of like sort of what we were talking about with happiness earlier. It's like, if you just do it, get into the habit, get into some consistency. I think sort of the the rest of that stuff, the creativity, that stuff kind of starts to fall in place. But like you said, it's that stage, you know, if you're missing the stage, kind of the platform, it's really hard to kind of, you, at that point, then creativity kind of feels like happiness. It's just, it's happenstance, you know, maybe there's days you're creative and other days you're not. But if you're relying on that, yeah, you know, that may only take you so far. So I, I think it's really cool to hear you talk about that process because I find myself, you know, I, I try to work on podcasting stuff or creative output, just at least work on it a little bit every day. Maybe I don't write an entire show every day, but I try to at least keep the habit up and that way I can, you know, kind of stay, stay fresh with it. So one last kind of question, or two two questions, um, not ne probably near as serious or, or, or as, uh, as heavy as that last one, but I'm just curious. I love asking people this. Uh, what are you watching or reading or listening to these? I don't want to assume you're, you know, you're, you do all of those things, but is there any kind of content right now that you're consuming in some way or another that you're really excited about? Wow. Um, yeah, actually. Um, so obviously I, I mentioned Brooks podcast, the life coach school, which is yeah. always great. Nuggets of wisdom. Um, I just finished up listening to stories of your life by Ted Chang. So there was a movie that came out a few years ago called Arrival, and it had Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner in it. And it was it's a sci-fi movie and just really, really enjoyed it. it. kind of blew my mind. And it comes from a book called Story of Your Life by Ted Chang. And he this is a collection of short stories. And he has an ability to synthesize physics, mathematics, linguistics, religion, um, uh, all kinds of things like that in these very high level ways, but to make them into incredibly fascinating and interesting stories. And like, I would get done with an episode and just be like, Oh my God, my head hurts because that was such a wild and crazy and amazing idea. And I mean, I would tell you about some, of them, but it, the, some of them are, are very surprising. So I don't want to give those things away. And the audiobooks are fantastic. The two narrators and they are just phenomenal, but really enjoy stuff that changes how you think about the world. And these sure. stories all do that. Um, uh, in Arrival, basically it's about how would we communicate with aliens who had a completely different communication structure if they came down to talk to us. And 
there are multiple ways of communication. There's audio communication, there's visual communication, there's writing. So there's all these different things. And thinking about them is different channels of expressing different concepts, um, which for me was really fascinating because speaking German, there are concepts in German that are really hard to explain in English. And when you learn another language, you actually have a different personality in that language. So yeah. who I am in German is is different than who I am in English, simply because there are ways of thinking in German that I can do that are very hard in English. There's some things that are in English that are easier than they are in German. There's sometimes where I try and explain something to my German friends. It's like, wow. Um, yeah. And luckily, English has twice as many words as any other language in, in the world. And German has half as many, but it's still second up. Um, so there are multiple ways. There's so many ways of describing it. But for me, I really like things that change how I think or question how I think or teach me how to think differently or break the way that I think. And that's what this book did for me. I mean, I'm just like, God, how did you how did you do that to me, Ted? And I just I would get done with every story and just be like, wow. So I've got his other ones down that I need to start listening to some of those. Um, like I said, the other one that was really big for me, uh, the way in the power was fantastic. Um, uh, finite and infinite games by James Karst. Let me look over on my shelf here. I've got so <laughs> many books. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, oh, wow. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones I have in here. Um, uh, uh, for example, I read one a while back called existential kink which I've been recommending to people. And they're like, ooh, that sounds very racy. And the thing is, it's not very racy, but it's the idea that kink is, is understanding your dark side, your quirks, your things that shouldn't turn you on, but do. They're the things that get you excited that you're not really sure you want to let anybody know. They're the shadow parts of you. Yeah. And so what it's understanding is that kink is in, is in the kink communities are very much about accepting you for your weirdness. For that little thing i mean that's why you know you're not supposed to have you're not supposed to be turned on by feet or shoes or you know whatever i mean but there is there anything wrong with those things no it's just that some people in society think that this is what is supposed to be yeah. and kink goes yeah as long as you're not harming yourself you're not harming others meaning yes yeah. some people like pain and pain and harm are two different things but as long as you're not harming yourself you're not harming others and you have consent you know, do your thing and and learn to accept that part. And what I love about existential kink is it's really about shadow work. It's mm -hmm. about accepting the things that you don't like about yourself. Sure. Because they just simply are part of who you are. And yeah. I mean, my dad and his biggest unhappiness and his suffering, why he was so angry at just random times was because he loathed part of who he was that was a core part of who he was and as an adult and as a father now i recognize that and i have a lot of compassion and empathy for him i don't say that that him beating us or you know being so emotionally abusive to us was was good and i don't ex i don't excuse that but i can have compassion and and you know and forgive him for those things because he was trying to do the best he could sure. and he was so hampered and the thing is, I forgive him not because he needs it, but because I need it. That's because if I sit and hold on to, yeah, if I hold on to that, then I'm the only one who's suffering. He's dead. He died in 96. So for me to just sit and hate him for those things, all it does is bring misery to my life. Right. And it was like Confucius, Confucius said, you know, holding on to anger is like holding on to a hot coal you want to throw at somebody. Yeah. You're the one that gets burned. 
Yeah. How long do you hold on to? And I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. He's got a good point there. <laughs> but, um, so for me, yeah, I've just been really trying to dig into things that rather than just regurgitating specific principles about things are very much about breaking the way that I think so that I can think differently so that I can reform how my mind thinks about things because learning the rope principles has been so helpful. Like I said, it's given me that stage. It's given me that foundation. It's given me the tools that I needed so that rather than just building another stage, I can build on top of that stage, something that's even mm -hmm. grander and bigger and better, but also I can dismantle that stage, you know, pull the pieces out that are, that are great and rebuild it in a way that's even more powerful. And I think that that's really what I've been working on now. Um, being inspired by all kinds of different ideas, like even Nassim Taleb's anti-fragile, that mm -hmm. idea of how do you build systems in yourself, in your in your life, in your way of thinking that make it so that you don't shy away from challenges, that you don't just search for comfort, but that you lean into challenges because they are the things that are going to strengthen you. They are the things that are going to make your mind stronger, make your body stronger, make you more resilient. And they are the things that are going to build muscle. So stop, I think I'm reaching that point where I'm, I'm less worried about being comfortable. Hmm. And I'm more worried about, am I growing? Am I challenging? Am I, am yeah. I facing those uncomfortable things that are challenging and shitty and hard? And that I go, Oh, I hate feeling this way. But God, isn't this great? I have a feeling and this feeling sucks, but man, I get to feel this. Isn't this great? I'm alive enough. I get to feel this feeling. And if I can sit with this feeling and if I can just sit and feel this feeling and be better about feeling this feeling, the next time it's not going to be so scary. It's going to be a little bit better. And then that makes me happier overall because I recognize that it's just a feeling and it's not this big, scary thing that, you know, yeah, that was there. And yeah, so that's kind of my, my new bent. And I think as I work on more episodes and I work on creating some courses and books and other things that I'm working on over this next year, that it's going to reflect a bit more of that. And those, some of those ideas of metacognition and, taking it at a, at a deeper level. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to create a community of people who are interested in that, who are interested in those ideas of not just regurgitating the rote things, because again, that to me is just a religion, but how do you take these principles and organize them, rearrange them and break the way that you think so that you can think better. So that you can start to go, okay, I want to do this thing over here, but I don't know how to think in such a way that I can accomplish that thing. Yeah. Well, that's what I want to get to because I look at goals that I have and go, ooh, I want to do that. I have no idea how to get there and I don't know how to think in that way. Mm -hmm. So I've got to break my brain so that I can start thinking that way so I can have the thoughts that will help me know how to get there and find people who can help me to think those thoughts and question those things so that I can get there. I'm so, I'm looking forward, so looking forward to the next year plus of your podcast writings, all of those things, because it sounds like you're putting in a lot of wonderful work on, you know, uh, we hear your work, obviously, on the podcast side of things, but kind of getting more glimpse of the behind the scenes thing. I, I, I can tell there's going to be some fantastic stuff 
uh, coming up and I'm very excited. So kind of as a last question, I want to know, you know, you've got this wonderful podcast, Stoic Coffee Break. Well, where can listeners of this show, Knowledge Brew Supreme, where can they go to find uh, your podcast? And you also, I think you have a, you have writings as well. It's not just a podcast. Yeah. So basically every podcast, I put a transcript of it on my website. It's just stoic.coffee. So super yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the, and that was part of the reason why I bought that domain name, changed the whole show to that. Because one, it's super easy to remember. And I really liked that imagery. It was just like one of those like, oh, as soon as I read that name, I'm like, yep, that's that's exactly what I want. Um, yeah, so just stoic.coffee. I'm working on revamping the website. Uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do is to create a roadmap of everything I need to get done and then start looking for people to help me do it. Problem is I'm a techie and so I can do all of these things, but it doesn't mean that I should do all of these things. So I'm trying to get more organized and then I'll start reaching out to find people to help me because I want to redo my website because I don't, you know, the design's been there for about a year, year and a half and it's okay, but I want it to be cleaner. I want it to be better. And so, um, and then look at automating a lot of the things that I do because they are fairly manual right now. And so, which makes it, makes me feel reluctant to want to do those things. But I know that the more I automate it, the better I'll do with those things. So it's really just, this year is very much about putting processes in place, structures in place so that I can get these things done and to reach those higher goals that I want. And so, yeah, come by the podcast. You can also find me on pretty much most of the major podcasting things. My podcast has been out for five years now. And so it's, it's on all the major platforms, Apple podcast, Spotify. Um, yeah. And there's lots to dig in. Like you said, five years, you got a lot of cool stuff to dig through. So if somebody has stumbled upon this, it's like finding a gold mine. I mean, there's just going to be tons of stuff to check out and listen to. So I'm happy to hear things are moving forward. Uh, got more things on, on the works, more stoic related stuff. So I'm really happy to hear that. Um, this is going to wrap up today's episode of Knowledge Brew Supreme. Thank you again so much to Eric Cloud from the Stoic Coffee Break his podcast, his website for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, this actually makes episode 62 of Knowledge Brew Supreme. And of course, my long-term goal or short-term, long-term, however you want to describe it, I want to get to 100 episodes. That means I'm only 38 away from that goal. So thank you all for joining. Please share this episode with a friend or a loved one, maybe someone who's interested in Stoic philosophy. Share Eric's podcast. Check it out. It's wonderful. I'm going to put uh, links in the show notes as well for people to find. So easy, easy, easy peasy there. Uh, but be good, be safe, and peace out. And that's the end of this week's Stoic Coffee Break. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. And thanks for listening.